Welcome to Holy Smoke, a Spectator's Religion podcast. I'm Damien Thompson. And I'm Christina O'Donnell. Over the weekend, the government threatened to do a U-turn on yet another pledge in its manifesto, to scale back on free schools. Justine Greening, the Education Secretary, has suggested a £1.3 billion raid on the free schools budget. Among those affected will be Britain's popular faith schools. The government had promised to abolish the 50% cap on faith-based admissions. That cap now looks set to stay. How will this affect the millions of parents whose children attend primary or secondary faith schools in this country? Let's ask our guest, Dennis Sewell, author and broadcaster, who's founder and chairman of Trinity Academy Free School. That's a free school uh, which isn't actually a faith school but does have a Catholic ethos. Dennis, what will be the impact of these proposed changes on faith schools? I think there is going to be a serious problem for all faith schools right across the board now because I think that this argument, this particular question, the argument over this policy is going to kick off a public debate of a kind which will get actually really quite unpleasant. It will do great harm to intercommunal relations and it will get viciously anti-faith school and at the end of it many that would never have been threatened and have never felt threatened over the past 20 years will suddenly feel as if their days are numbered. And yet there is no category of school that is more popular with parents than state faith schools because they've seen academic excellence, they've seen ethos that is admirable and as one former education secretary put it, if only we could bottle it and give it to others. Well exactly that and Faith schools are the ones that actually work. And by doing so, they drag the statistics up for everybody else. So whenever you see any kind of school, group of schools saying that they do better than others, you can be sure that actually it's the faith schools in that group that are the ones that are actually bringing them over the average. They do that, as you say, academically. They also do that in terms of the other thing that schools are for, perhaps the primary thing that schools are for, which is the transmission of values from one generation to another. For many secular schools now, struggle to really have any values. They scratch around looking for something they can call a value, but then they usually have to cross it off their list because it will upset one or another minority group. So when they, you get to that kind of what the Department for Education chooses to be its values, you've got the lowest common denominator of values, the ones that no Muslims aren't going to object to, Catholics aren't going to object to, atheists aren't going to object to, and that's pretty well nothing, isn't it? I absolutely take on board what you say, Dennis, but I can't help being a little bit sceptical about certain faith schools. I've written about faith schools, Catholic primary schools in Scotland, for example, that spent an enormous amount of time campaigning against austerity, and that was their interpretation of Catholic social teaching. And what I have seen writing about the Catholic Church is secular values presented as the deposit of faith, almost fraudulently, as it were. I think you're right in the sense that I think there are a lot of Catholic schools that perhaps aren't Catholic enough or aren't Catholic enough for, I suppose, what you would say, mainstream or more traditional Catholics. However, I don't think that's a huge problem for the rest of society. And But I think what would be a huge problem for the rest of society is if a kind of value-free or kind of valued light um, 
secularism was imposed on everybody. And then we'd get into a, a situation where you really would have the kinds of problems you get from a from a society that grows up learning to believe in nothing at all. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to bang on about Catholic education, but the director of the Catholic education service, Paul Barber, is somebody in whom I have no confidence whatsoever, having witnessed him try to destroy, I think, an, an excellent Catholic school in, in West London, Cardinal Vaughan. How do you think he and the Catholic hierarchy generally will react if the government goes ahead with these plans? Well, the Catholic Church is, is always consistent. I mean, that's the one virtue. And I'm afraid that they, uh, largely, I think, as a result of the, the, the man that you, that you point to, Paul Barber, the head of the Catholic Education Service, they got themselves into this pickle in about 2010 when Michael Gove came in. They said that they would not play in this game of free schools. They wouldn't open any free schools if there was any kind of limit at all to the number of places that were reserved for Catholics. So the plan was, originally Michael Gove's plan, 50% of the places would be guaranteed to Catholics, and then the other 50%, some could go to Catholics, depending on how many people applied and so forth, but would be open to anybody, according to some other kind of set of criteria. Now, Paul Barber and his team said no to that, They said that there were all sorts of complicated reasons in canon law and so forth why they had to say no. I'm very sceptical about that. I think the real reason is that the Catholic bishops are, in fact, a kind of old labourish, sort of viscerally anti-Tory people, particularly anti-people like Michael Gove, and they just thought that the free schools and academies scheme was a sort of Tory plot and they weren't going to have anything to do with it. But now they are stuck because... Now they've lobbied for this um, change. They were told it was going to take place. It's now looking as if it's going to be reversed and there's a U-turn. So they will have to do what they said. You know, they'll have to say there are these terrible canon law obstacles and they will have to not go ahead with 40 or 50 schools that would otherwise be ready to open quite soon. That may be the bishop's perspectives, but I suspect that when the government was flying a kite this weekend talking about free schools in general and faith schools in particular what they were aiming for was muslim faith schools would you agree oh absolutely i mean the whole reason we're discussing this is because the government commissioned a report from an expert in community relations in bradford whose much of his evidence was was obviously colored by the experience of bradford where there is a degree of social segregation as there isn't many of the Lancashire towns as well and across across Yorkshire, there's a lot of segregation by faith and there are Muslim areas, there are Muslim schools and that is their perceived problem. They, they, they see that this is a, a threat to a kind of integration in, in, in a wider sense and they're probably right. So we are in this problem that we then have to say that the problems associated with one faith have to be visited, as it were, on all of the other faiths, Mm, because otherwise we're doing something called discriminating. And we're stuck. And uh, and I think that ever since we had to treat every faith, you know, including Scientology, frankly, as if it was, you know, the established Church of England, we're in this position that we can't make different arrangements for different groups, because somebody will say that they're losing out. And what's so terrible is that once the faith schools come out of the state school 
sector, which is what will happen. You know, lots and lots of Muslim parents and Catholic parents and Jewish parents will say, okay, so the state no longer allows us to send our children to schools that transmit our values. So we're going to set up our own schools. Uh, Once I'm sorry, that, I don't see what's so terrible well, about people you. doing this in the private sector rather than... Well, let me tell you sector. what is so terrible. If you're a state school, you get an Ofsted inspection, and we have some understanding of what you're teaching. If you become a little, you know, Damien Thompson school in the kitchen of Damien Thompson with four or five students, you could be teaching anything you want. And in your case, I hate oh, to think what that might be. ideas into my head. Okay, so the idea is that private schools will be able to transmit a fanaticism which may be, most likely would be Islamic, but might also be Christian fundamentalist fanaticism, which certainly exists. We could have a surge in creationism, a surge in extremism. And and frankly, this is what we've got to counter. It's not faith schools that are within our state system. Well, I think you're right, actually, that the unwanted effect of all of this will be to have more segregation and less control and less of a public culture with certain shared things in it, like a shared curriculum or shared sets of values and all the rest of it, that you look to an education system to provide system-wide. We won't have any of that. We will, we will have, as you describe, a set of sort of kitchen sink arrangements and a, and a fractured, atomized education system. And that would be the precise opposite for what these people who are defining this policy now actually want. So as somebody who has been a pioneer in this area, because, Dennis, you have set up the first Catholic free school in this country. Well, you can't, I'm afraid, because of all of this fuss. We, we set it up between 2013 and 2014. And just at the moment, the Catholic Church under Mr Barber had decided they didn't want to have any part in it. So we ended up having to call ourselves a, a school with a Catholic ethos. Although we set out to be part of the Catholic Church and all the rest of it, we are now completely independent of the diocese, independent of the church, System. I think the bishops of England were should be thoroughly ashamed of themselves. Um, well, I think they, I think it, <laughs> had this thing not come up, it may have been that they would have thought again, one would have hoped, one prays about this every week. But they won't now. As I say, they are now forced back on, on, onto their own stubbornness and there they will stay. And the result of it for particular faith groups, particularly the Catholic one, is that they will have fewer schools fewer Catholic places, more parents saying, where are these Catholic places that I want to send my child to? And them not having opened a school or a free school since 2010. Seven years have gone by, wasted opportunities, and now there'll be another five at least. What's the situation with the Church of England? They're very easy going about all this, as they always are. They kind of have a, a kind of sort of fight about it. They, they, they're quite happy having 50% of the places in any school being reserved for churchgoers and the other 50% open to all comers. Which actually surely is an opportunity for evangelization, or at least the yeah. transmission of... You would Christian have thought values. that any Christian yes. group, and this is why I could never understand why the Catholic Church went the way they did, would take advantage of the opportunity to show that they are being of service to the common good. This could be a gift. Education is something that they're good at. Here is their gift to society. Couldn't be simpler. Well, I, I think the reason the Catholic Church went, went the way they did was because it was a Tory initiative. End of the story. Right, quite if so. If we just go back to the subject of Muslim schools, the Trojan Horse scandal involved schools that were not Muslim faith schools, but actually ordinary comprehensive schools that had been infiltrated by Islamists. That's true, but it's also true 
that it involved schools that, although they were not faith schools, they were not Muslim schools, had almost entirely Muslim pupils in them and almost entirely exclusively Muslim teachers. So one could ask, why on earth weren't they Muslim faith schools in a way? And I think that was part of the tension that led to the sort of difficulties because what was happening was that they were insisting on doing certain things in those schools that would be perfectly proper in a faith school for the faith group to do. But they were doing it in a school that wasn't a faith school. And that was against the law. And it would have been a lot easier if there had been more faith schools, and then we wouldn't have had that problem either. But isn't it impossible for an authentically conservative Islamic school to operate within the boundaries of you know, civil society in the West? No, I don't think it is. I mean, I think there's a huge difference between being socially conservative and running a kind of track that leads inexorably towards terrorism. Okay. And I think people understand that. Absolutely. I'm, I'm not so confident, I have to say, but anyway. You never are. Dennis, what will happen? I suspect that faith schools remain so popular with parents, if not the wider British public, that they will manage to see off even this latest attack. What do you think? Oh, I don't think what parents want is, carries very much weight at all. Westminster. I mean, it, it almost did recently. I mean, if you do ask parents, you'll find quite a lot of them, for instance, uh, would have been keen on this grammar school initiative that they were going to have, but now aren't. Well, you know, what parents want is, is about the last thing they consider. One of the things they're doing here, actually, if the truth be told, is pleasing the Treasury, because they have um, got some extra money to make it look as if they are not cutting schools' budgets for everybody. That extra money has not come from outside education. It has to be found inside the education budget. Where? By cutting the free schools' budget. How do you cut the free schools' budget? Oh, you change the rules on faith and the churches all pull out. That's neat, isn't it? But it's to please the Treasury. Nobody else. It doesn't strike me that now that the Prime Minister has been deprived of authority within her own cabinet, it doesn't strike me that we have a particularly faith-friendly cabinet. No, not at all. No, I think, I mean, <laughs> we haven't done for a very long time, I think. And I think the Prime Minister's vicar's daughterness is um, mostly exaggerated. Gosh, bleak times ahead. Dennis Sewell, thank you very much. 